Mind Body Connection podcast. The Body and Mind. With your host, Dr. Phil Parker. Hi, once again, we're continuing our series of seminars during this lockdown period. This is episode number nine. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's Tuesday, just after six. I'm Dr. Phil Parker, and once again, we're doing a live session all about how to thrive and survive during lockdown, full of uh, practical tools and tips and ideas to help you to manage your health, uh, your mental and physical well-being in this slightly crazy time. So, welcome if you found your way here. Congratulations! You've already <laughs> you're already winning. Uh, we're going to co- cover loads of stuff um, today, uh, and some of it's going to be based on questions that come in i've had lots of questions over the last couple of weeks you know we've been running this for, for nine weeks so uh, we're starting to get our heads around you can oh you can out there jenny i'll wait for people occasionally uh, to show that i'm, I'm here and uh, paying attention so do leave comments um i've had questions coming in and a lot of questions uh, over the last week have been about stress which is kind of unsurprising because here we are uh, certainly in the uk i know people are listening around the world welcome um we have been doing this for nine weeks now and we've kind of run out of uh, board games uh, food to cook that's slightly different from the thing we had yesterday uh, we're hanging around with the same people so how are we gonna how are we gonna survive so it's a question that people are asking and also a lot of people are asking um how do we cope with the uncertainty of the fact that things aren't changing at the speed that we want to and uh, uh, slightly on the horizon oh we may be getting back into some of um, the old environments we used to be in how am I going to deal with that? Uh, I know a number of people have found um, uh, that uh, lockdown has actually, they've really quite enjoyed it. They're quite quiet about it. Like, I don't want to tell anybody what I quite actually like being in lockdown because when you're in lockdown, certain things that you normally have to deal with in life have gone. And as we know, one of the things that very often people will do when they have a problem is they'll they'll exit they'll they'll leave so they'll leave relationships leave difficult difficult jobs leave situations that are tricky which is a fine solution except uh, it it doesn't work in lots of ways because you often bring the problem around with you because sometimes it's about how you're being but in lockdown it's allowed we're allowed to be in this position where uh, we don't have to go out we don't have to deal with other people we don't have we can kind of you know avoid these things and, and people are starting to some people are liking that uh, and starting to get a little bit worried about well, what happens when uh, we open the doors and have a look out again. Hey, there's some great people on the call. I've seen you guys for ages. Uh, my very good friend Jackie. Welcome, Jackie. Uh, glad to see you're out of your PJs for once. And uh, the lovely Edward. Hello, Edward. All right, I'm thinking, Edward, you're in the Isle of Wight. Was that my imagination? If it is, uh, are you using the app? Uh, and Sharon, hello, Sharon and Fleur. Oh, sort and Mary, lots of people. Great to see you. And Charlene, hello. And Christy, so um, so we're going to be covering some so some of the questions people had about all that kind of stuff. How do I deal with the madness? How do I deal with the impending madness as we go out? And uh, you may like my new room. Do you like my room? I've obviously been decorating uh, whilst uh, you know being locked down. Uh, you may know this is completely untrue, and it's actually a green screen, as you can see. As I put this slightly green book, uh, you can see that actually it's covering up uh, what is a rather ugly set of blue wardrobes. Um, hello, Sarah. Yeah, Edward is in the other way. Excellent. Um, so let's begin. Um, I want to spend a chunk of time towards the end on uh, de-stressing, relaxing, and particularly sleep, which is something that people keep on asking me about. 
Um, and we know, you know, a lot of the stuff I'm talking about is uh, how, how we manage our health, both from physical well-being, which is actually one of the easiest things to do. You know, people know how to eat well, exercise well, and the mental mind aspects of physical and mental well-being because we know as i often say that our mind affects our body and our, and our body affects our mind and we're less good at managing that kind of stuff you know we know how to to, to put on gym shoes and run we don't know how to get to sleep we don't know how to de-stress most of us are not that skilled and on the um, on the um, the call some people are practitioners they do know about this kind of stuff but they will know that most people don't know how to do it and uh, it would be kind of one of the themes that I talk about a lot and a lot of the courses I run is like these are the skills we needed to learn at school that we never got taught and they're kind of really really important um uh, we've got some extra stuff here just kind of a quick look uh Jenny likes the picture I'll show you the picture it's somebody else's room it's quite weird I'm actually living in somebody else's living room uh I don't know what the books are probably in Norwegian uh and we got Anne from uh Switzerland hello Anne lovely to see you and Teresa wants to know about panic attacks at night with sleep uh excellent and Lucinda uh, from Newscastle, her osteopath did NLP training with me. That must be the lovely Martin, I would imagine. Uh, everyone knows Martin. Um, so, quick, uh, I'll quickly talk about panic attacks actually at night with sleep because that's an interesting conversation. We can manage absolutely to switch off, turn down, resolve panic attacks. Really, really easy to do if you know how. And we'll be covering some of that stuff. Um, but it's really tricky, of course, if you're doing it when you're asleep, because when you're asleep, it's your unconscious mind is just generating all sorts of stuff. Who knows why? Uh, some people think it's processing stuff. Some people's your deep unconscious fears. Nobody really knows, of course. Uh, but we can't really be responsible for what we're thinking about when we're dreaming. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had this experience when you wake up from sleep. And I had it the other day where I cheated on my wife with, you know, a, a very long term ex-girlfriend from the past and was like oh my god, my god that's just a dream your unconscious mind will take you in all sorts of places it doesn't necessarily mean anything that's just what happens um but it but it can trigger exactly the same experiences as if we were conscious and awake and i think i've said this before as well just before we wake up so you know probably uh, within a couple of hours of waking our cortisol levels increase and our adrenaline levels also increase a bit uh, in kind of preparation for being awake so that we don't wake up like oh, this we wake up like that if because if we're on the savannah and there's some wild beast we need to be on it um, and so we have a natural physiological response which tends to build our uh, our alertness and if you spent the whole day yesterday being in a high state of arousal then what happens is in the morning in that kind of pre-waking time you're just topping up levels that are already quite high and then when you do wake up you're like Whoa! and then you can be in all sorts of you know crazy crazy thoughts once you're awake you can start to to calm it down um, let's see what else is happening here. Uh, yeah, yeah, Martin, lovely Martin. Everyone knows Martin. Uh, <laughs> well, not everyone, but a lot of the people on the call know the lovely Martin. Uh, uh, Margaret's been having strange dreams. Excellent. Uh, Sharon's saying she's got. Did you get to say you got an exam? Did I see that? Uh, exam tomorrow. Uh, Mary and I have an exam tomorrow, relaxation. We're definitely going to do some relaxation. I'm going to spend probably the last half an hour of this. Uh, helping you to really calm down and relax. Um, do you know, we talked earlier about 
um, people aren't very good at learning to relax. This is probably one of the reasons that people drink, eat, uh, become hypnotised by the TV, or do one of the most popular sports in Britain, which is angling. You know, uh, fishing. Because when you when you fish, uh, and you you know, let's say you're just dropping a, a little float in the river and you just look at it and maybe the water flows past now all these things are actually really brilliant ways to induce trance so trance means it's very similar to flow state which some of you have heard about the flow or trance is defined as a limited focus of attention where you become more aware of often what's in front of you but you kind of become unaware of everything else um, you tend to be very still uh, you tend to have a focus on that thing and things that move in and out of your field of vision don't really catch your attention. Time seems to stand still and everything often seems to slow down. You become very immersed in it. And actually, in my PhD, I talked about how flow states, which uh, some of you will know me, Hi Chick sent me high, as an interesting name to conjure with. He was one of the founders of positive psychology, came up with the idea of flow states. And all the qualities of flow states are very, very similar to the qualities of uh, what you recognize as a hypnotic trance or a meditative state or, or, or one of those things. In fact, I was reading some interesting stuff about a guy called Milton Erickson, who is uh, somebody that you know a lot of my work is based on. A very, very prominent psychiatrist in the, in the States, uh, lived in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, many on the call will know about him. And uh, he, he defined himself, and I'll get, this, get the numbers wrong here, but he defined himself as being 70% um, Norwegian, 30% um, German, and 4% uh, Native American, which obviously adds up to more than 100%, but he was very interested in uh, the local Native America, American culture and actually did some studies on uh, what traditional healing techniques there were within the Native American population that he could identify was similar to what he did around helping people into hypnotic or trance states. Very interesting guy. Um, so, oh, is Carolyn's there as well? Oh, excellent. Um, so, yeah, it being the flow state, being in the state of calmness. So, when you imagine someone's fishing and they're just sitting there looking at the little thing bobbing up and down, that actually generates a lot of the neurology that is equivalent to a flow state or a meditative state or a trance state or a prayer state, or if you're a whirling dervish, a whirling dervish state. So understanding how we can manage our states will be really useful. Uh, and as I say, we're going to spend probably about half an hour. I'm going to talk you through some stuff. So for that half an hour, from about half six, uh, what I recommend you do is, uh, you know, if as much as you can, switch off the distractions. Um, put headphones on. If, if you can get headphones, that will just allow you to focus on this rather than the ambient noise. And that will encourage this kind of uh, focus that would be good for you. Um, make sure you're not driving a car while you do it, or operating dangerous machinery, or you know, uh, running the country, anything like that. So that's what we're going to do in the second half. We're going to look at sleep, we're going to look at uh, de-stressing, calming down. And what I'd like you to do is to request your unconscious mind, which is the part of you that takes care of you. It's the part of you that knows stuff like... Um, you see a little movement in this, you know, as you walk down the street, you see something, you're aware of it and deciding whether it's threatening or it's a squirrel or whatever.
It's the part that allows you to uh, raise your blood pressure when you climb stairs or when you sleep to breathe, all sorts of stuff. So allow your unconscious mind, request that it pays attention to whatever I say in a way that's most useful for you, depending on what's going on for you, because everyone on the call will have different things that are going on. So just ask your unconscious mind to pay attention in a way that's most useful for you. Uh, Jane, uh, Edward has, uh, mindfulness is a form of focused attention. Yeah, excellent. Uh, I, I think I talked on the very first episode of this, years back, nine weeks ago, when uh, just talked about a simple technique, the kind of yogic breathing technique, which is just counting your breath in and then counting it out. Just doing that is a kind of really basic practice. Um, so some specific questions. Let me grab my specific questions. Okay, Ooh, a couple of interesting ones here. Uh, my co-workers are lying about how much they're socially distancing. Uh, they won't tell the truth about it. I don't quite know what to do about it. Uh, another one, also in a similar kind of vein, uh, I'm a bit worried about going back to work. I like in this social isolation when I go back to work, I've got to deal with bitchy people, gossipy people, people who are difficult or toxic. Um, and then another one which kind of is linked to it, which is uh, how to deal with jealousy. Somebody sent me a message saying, I've got a friend who's got jealousy. And uh, I'm never sure when people say that, if they really have a friend or not. I mean, they probably do have a friend, but whether it's the friend who has jealousy or them, well, maybe they can let me know um, privately or on the messages. So I'm putting these three things together because to some extent they're linked in that they're about other people. And this is a theme I talk about a lot on this um, these seminars because again, other people are one of the most difficult thing to deal with because they're idiots a lot of the time, aren't they? You know, they do ridiculous things. You know, we would never do anything like that. Um, but we bump into them. Of course, of course, they have exactly the same experience of us. Uh, we live in a world where uh, we are less uh, aware and tolerant of other people's stuff. And, and when we bump up against it and it's not how we see the world, it can cause all sorts of trouble. The key thing really to remember about um, other people is... I don't remember if I told this story, but I'm going to tell it again in case I have, um, <laughs> is uh, window cleaning. Um, so with window cleaning, uh, this all comes from when one of my kids was ill and uh, I had to sit with them, they were quite tiny. Daytime TV was on, and uh, which I wouldn't generally recommend you watch, but there I was watching it, and there's a program about experts, and this particular expert was an expert in... Uh, in, just got a message from Jenny about the friend, yeah, friend. Uh, so yeah, this 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 expert was an expert in house cleaning. I thought this is going to be incredibly dull, but it was really interesting. Uh, she said uh, there's a thing you have to do, which is you have to clean windows. And the big problem when you when you clean windows, clean them on one side, clean them on the other side, go out, and clean them on the other side, is which is the little street smears that you get when you clean a window. So the big problem is when you're cleaning the window and you find a smear, you get rid of the smear, but you find it's actually on the other side of the glass, so you have to go out the house, clean it, and when you go to the other side of the house, you find it's on the other, plane, other side of the pane of glass, and this is a real problem. And she said there's a very simple solution, which some of you on the call will know, which is when you clean inside, you clean up and down, and when you clean on the outside, you clean from side to side, and then you know instantly 
which side the smears are on. And you may ask yourself, well, well, that's very interesting, Phil, but why are you teaching on this interesting course call about stress and, uh, and sleep about window cleaning? Um, because one of the really important things to do with other people is to distinguish are the smears on your side of the window or on their side of the window? Because if the problem is, if the dirt, if the grime is on their side of the window, then it's not your responsibility and you can't fix it. You know, so if somebody is being bitchy, then you can't you can't really do much about that. They're gonna do what they do because as we've all tried at some point in our lives, we try to change other people. One of the rules of life is people rarely change. That's not completely true. People change all the time, but they rarely change when you try and make them change. When they decide to change and they get access to decent skills and tools, they can change, but you trying to force change, who's, who's tried to force change on someone uh, in their lives in the past? Maybe a relationship, uh, maybe a, a family member. My mum, as many people know, drives me bonkers. And, uh, and my wife often says to me, she's not gonna change, you know. I keep on hoping, but she doesn't. So. Um, and anyone else having to deal with parents and technology at the moment is absolutely doing my head in. With all the skills I have at managing my own state, it's one of the things, boing, suddenly not in a good space. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, we need to distinguish, is the problem on your side or their side? If it's on their side, you, you can't do anything about it. You can't do anything about it the fact they are bitchy, gossipy, difficult. What you then have to do is comes back to the serenity prayer, which many of you know I often uh, wave a big flag for, which is change the things you can change, accept the things you can't with serenity, and have the wisdom to distinguish which is which. So putting your energy into trying to change those people who are bitchy or gossipy, it's just a waste of time, it's not gonna work. Instead, put your energy into the thing you can change the most, which is yourself, and ask yourself, okay, you know, a core question, which I recommend you always ask, which is, how do I want to be around this? Or even better, how would I love to be around this? So for those people who've got these particular issues about dealing with other people, you're not going to change your co-workers behavior if they're lying or gossiping or bitchy what you've got to be thinking about is how do i want to be around this is it okay for me to be bent out of shape because they're being a bit tricksy and the answer is no so then thinking really okay well what state would be good to bring myself to this situation in what you know what kind of headspace what state would i like to be in that will allow me to navigate my way through this in a different way. And spend some time thinking about that. You know, how would I like to be? How would I love to be around these people? And it may be, it's just not fair they're doing this. It's like, that's not relevant. <laughs> you know, a lot of stuff in life isn't fair. And what's really not fair is when they're being difficult and you're feeling uncomfortable about it, what at least would rebalance it a bit is they're, they're being difficult and you're able to still be healthy and well, that would be slightly more fair. So asking yourself, how do I want to be in this moment, in this space? And there's some interesting states you may not have thought about. Uh, one is um, the state of uh, whatever, or ambivalence, like, pff, yeah, that's their life. That's their side of the window, it's, not, it's nothing to do with me, you know. 
if you've got kids or had kids, there may be some times when kids say really, really horrible things to you. There may be stuff like, you know, I, my kid when he was young said, uh, I hate you, I hope you die in a fire, you know, because I wouldn't give him any more ice cream. <laughs> uh, uh, what did I think about that? I thought, well, you know, that's what he, does, he wants ice cream, he's annoyed about it. I don't take it personally, it's just stuff that kids say. We're able to kind of filter it and go, yeah. I'm not going to take that on. What if we could do the same with this? Because actually, to some extent, when you think about it, a lot of these people are behaving in quite ungrown up ways. And maybe, as we talked about before, we need to bring some kindness and compassion, some acceptance, being able to just separate a little bit, be there, but not in a way where we can be attacked in the way that we've allowed ourselves to be attacked. Uh, okay, so let's get some of these other little questions up. Oh yeah, the other one I was going to talk about was about jealousy, which is an interesting question. Um, and, and a really tricksy one again. I don't know if anyone's ever been on the wrong side of this, where uh, you've been with someone who's jealous, or you've found yourself uncontrollably jealous about someone who either has given you cause to be jealous, or has given you no cause. Um, so when this kind of stuff happens, it's quite weird because it, it takes us into uh, mental and interestingly neurophysiological places we don't normally go to, uh, where we feel churned up, we feel angry, we feel all sorts of emotions that rationally we kind of go, it doesn't make any sense, but we feel compelled to be that way about it. I was having a look, little look before the call about uh, one of the things I always do when somebody mentions uh, uh, an emotion like jealousy so I normally go and look at the etymology of it which means what is the root of this where you know you know because what we what you've got there's a little bit of um, archaeology humans have been experiencing these emotions for forever so how have we how have we understood them what are we what's our history you know our shared hive mind history of trying to deal with this kind of stuff and the word jealousy uh, has its roots in the word zeal, feeling so sometimes the word jealous back in the day uh, meant being really, really passionate about something. It didn't have a negative connotation of being jealous because you fear something's going wrong or it's not within your control. And uh, the other thing I found was in, in Swedish, uh, they call it, I'm gonna, I hope no Swedes are on the call because my pronunciation is going to be awful, but they call it a fatuka, which means black sick. So that's how they describe it, this whole idea of this poison within you. Um, with jealousy, it, it's very tricky because what it does is it gives you a chance to rethink everything that's happened in a negative way. So if somebody doesn't call you or is late home, you start to generate a whole narrative and story that may not have any basis in fact and there's a second part to jealousy was if you keep on doing that people start to not like it they start to not tell you the entire truth because they don't want to upset you or they they start to feel controlled and and it doesn't generally work in relationships so what do you do with jealousy well the, the first thing you need to do with jealousy is really notice that it's going on that, that your uh, response to these events is not healthy for you or your relationship and then you need to do some work on it. Now there's some stuff you can do on your own with it um, by, by sitting in a place of calm 
acceptance of yourself and your emotions. Uh, if you know anything about thanking processes, so you know, resolving it in a conflict, then starting by acknowledging what's going on and being kind to yourself for the fact this is happening. But it may well be something that you need to seek some professional help from, not like you know crazy long-term psychotherapy or psychoanalysis. It's it's probably something you can resolve relatively quickly in maybe an hour or so. Um, but it, it's quite a complex thing, so it may be something you need to do some proper work with. Now I've got some more messages coming up here. Uh, what have we got here? Um, okay, good. Uh, interesting one. Uh, did the lightning process a few years ago. My health is a lot better. However, some people in my life keep on treating me like I'm still sick. Advertising SPO direct at the moment here. Um, so how can I get them to stop? Well, uh, first problem you've got is trying to get anybody to do anything differently is troublesome. Um, you can, it depends on your relationship with them, but you can ask them, you can explain to them, but quite often people will forget. Um, if you can explain to them why it's important to do it, then that will help. And one of the best things is just to be well. When you're well, they'll stop doing it. You know, the more well you are, the more they go, oh, and I need to take care of them. Um, but it does depend a little bit, Lisa, on your relationship to them as to how frank a conversation you can have. But it's something we often teach people on the final day of the lightning process. We say, you know, we need to really make sure that when you go back into the world, well, happy, healthy, moving forwards in your life, people will still see you as you were, you know, for the last few months, few years where you've been in a certain space where they've been trying to help you in a certain way and they will need to update their understanding of you and again to be kind as you do that. Um, uh, Lucinda, I, I find I still feel hurt by people with body sensations even though my cognitive understanding realises it's other people's stuff. Yeah, the body doesn't know the difference. What do I do? Um, there's a lot of techniques you can do on this. So this is where uh, cognitively you're going to go it's their stuff but it's still you still accept it and take it on um, you probably will need to have a look at your internal conversation and find out what are you saying to yourself you know how are you processing this and once again make sure your internal conversation is really kind where even if you find yourself going off at the deep end and feeling physically upset by it to just take a few moments to kind of go okay I recognize this is happening, I reckon it's not reasonable, but it comes from old, some old pattern, so I choose to be kind to myself as I allow my body almost to catch up with me. And the other thing that's often very useful to, to do, and this is a big part of NLP and the learning process, is, is to spend some time when you're not even in that situation. So let's say this is a person that's troublesome for you and you know you're gonna bump into them later on. Before you even meet them, to just rehearse how you want to be, to really connect with what it feels like, so that when you go and meet them, if they do their stuff, which they probably will, <laughs> that you're you're prepared to deal with it in a new way rather than it surprises you and you, you kick off in the old the old way that you have. Hope that's useful. Um, uh, Sarah says I read a book this afternoon called Perfectly Imperfect, uh, and it just talked about Trishti focus. Christy. Uh, I wonder if they really not accept that you've changed for the better. Yeah, oh, 
Yeah, I'll tell you what, with the victim thing, I might talk about victims uh, next time because that's one of my favourite topics, the drama triangle. Uh, jealousy, comparing yourself to somebody else, yes, that can be a big, big issue, Claire. Um, my good friend Sandy Newbigging, uh, we, we shared a stage, we've done it a few times, but uh, he, he talks a lot about um, humans being like a comparative machine. What they spend all their time doing is going, are they better, worse, same, different from me in some way? How do I measure up? And we spend so much of our time doing that and maybe one of the things we just need to do is drop that. Uh, uh, Claudine, hola, como estas? Um, maybe jealousy has to do with low self-esteem. Quite often it can be. Um, and that's not, again, not very good for relationships. If you're in a relationship and you constantly, again, it's slightly comparative, slightly comparing yourself to other, other people out there or your partner and you feel less than them, then it's not really a, a relationship of equals and having equality is really, really essential for a good, healthy, fulfilling relationship. Uh, hi, Sam. Uh, Edward says, check out the work of Lucas Dirk, the lovely Lucas Dirks on Social Panorama. Um, about how we move things around in space. Yeah, very interesting stuff. Excellent. And called the lovely Connie Ray Andreas, who we of course should be hanging out with this weekend, but she's stuck in America and we're stuck here. Uh, and called Transformation, which many of you know, uh, was pivotal to a lot of my work. Um, the the kind, compassionate approach of core transformation. Oh, we got we got uh, to be so here as well. Thank you very much for coming in from your own session. Uh, and <laughs> excelente. So uh, currently, I'm learning Spanish. Yo uh, estudio español ahora. Um, so I yeah, just throw that into. So I did say I did promise that we would do some work on calming and uh, sleeping. So that's what we're going to do now. The Mind Body Connection Podcast. The body and mind.